0: Happy Friday, story fam! Hope you've had a great week. We've had a busy one around the story. It's been great, though. We had a couple of guest speakers come in from Colorado Springs, Greg and Aaron Smalley from Focus on the Family, um, to speak to our brand new women's ministry called Beloved. It was so incredible, such a great day on Wednesday. And I was talking with Greg about um, his ministry with marriage. So he oversees all the marriage ministries at Focus on the Family and he shared with me some of the trends that he and his wife are seeing right now in their ministry, working with, with married couples these days. Recent data is showing us that 2020 has been especially hard on our relationships, including our marriages. Um, and it's mostly due to the stress that stems from COVID-19, uh, economic stress, the civil unrest on the news and in our city streets, and Um, you know, of course the election has been stressful as well since March, the divorce rate in America is up 38% compared to the same time last year. And I asked Mr. Smalley what he thinks is going on to contribute to that. And he said that whenever people are under a lot of stress, our hearts begin to shut down. In other words, the, the part of us that resonates with feelings, emotions, empathy, and sympathy, It all shuts down uh, with stress as our fight or flight survival instincts take over. And when our hearts shut down, it is impossible for us to truly be loved and to love others, which really are the two things that we need the most. I mean, we are made to love others and to be loved by others. That's how God designed us. But when that design is short-circuited by stress, we inevitably try to fill the empty space in our hearts with something other than real love. Most Christians are vaguely familiar with this story in the Old Testament that I think perfectly embodies that phenomenon. It's the story of Jacob and Esau. Although they were twins, the two brothers were nothing alike. Esau was everything that a young man was supposed to be back then, big, hairy, and hungry. Jacob, on the other hand, was lazy and soft. He also had a major character flaw, as evidenced by his name, which literally meant deceiver. That's what Jacob means in Hebrew, deceiver or liar. After lying multiple times to cheat his brother Esau out of their father's blessing and the inheritance, (laughs) Jacob ran for the hills to avoid being slaughtered by his bigger, stronger sibling. Jacob landed on his feet and found a really good job working for a man named Laban, But Jacob's erratic and desperate behavior continued. One day, Laban asked Jacob to name his own salary, and the young man said, Your daughter's pretty hot. I'll take her. I'm serious. That's what he said. (laughs) This is from Genesis 29, verses uh, 15 and 16. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the older daughter was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes. We think that means she was cross-eyed. But Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you for seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. So this story says Rachel had a lovely figure. Uh, She was curvy, I guess, or something. And she was beautiful. She was easy on the eyes. And that's nice. But even so, Jacob's actions made no sense. Seven years is a long time to work for nothing Just to have a a woman that you like waiting for you at the end of it, to have no salary. And and Jacob barely even knew Rachel. There's no evidence that they even talked very much. He sounds a lot like the guy who gets obsessed way too early in a relationship. The guy who says I love you on the second date. Or the girl you just met who likes every post you've ever made on Instagram at 3 o'clock in the morning the, the night after you meet her. You've known someone like Jacob before. All he really wanted was his father's approval but it was always just beyond his reach. His dad was blind toward the end of his life, and so that one time Jacob changed his voice and pretended to be Esau just to know what it felt like to be loved by his dad. I mean, how deep is that? And he was running from the truth all of his life, and in this story, he acted like a man who was running from his past. Think thing about running from the past or running from the truth is that no matter how far you run, the truth will always catch up to you. And that's what happened to Jacob. After working under Laban for seven years, Jacob could finally claim his prize, the lovely Rachel. He said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to make love to her, which is a really strange thing to say to your future father-in-law. Just let it be known that if any young man ever says anything like that to me about my daughter, I might be writing my Friday emails from prison (laughs) maybe that's why laban responded this way in genesis 29 again verses 22 to 25 it reads so laban brought together all the people of the of the place and gave a feast but when evening came he took his daughter leah instead of rachel leah and brought her to jacob and jacob made love to her wow so i've been to some crazy weddings in my time (laughs) But I've never seen the groom get so drunk that he didn't notice the bride's father pulling the old switcheroo on him. (laughs) Jacob was livid when, as the story goes, and this is exactly how the Bible tells it, in the morning, there was Leah. (laughs) He rolled over in this marriage bed and saw Leah instead of Rachel laying there. Leah wasn't beautiful like Rachel. She was cross-eyed, and her body wasn't nearly as remarkable. On his wedding night, In his drunken state, Jacob had sex with her instead of Rachel. And according to custom, Leah was now officially Jacob's wife. When Jacob complained to Laban, he literally said, why did you deceive me? So Jacob asked Laban, why did you Jacob me? That's literally what he said in Hebrew. Why did you Jacob me? And then Laban replied to Jacob this way. Look here, bud. So This is a paraphrase. Okay. (laughs) Look here, bud. I don't know how they do things where you come from, but around these parts, we don't give the younger sibling a blessing that belongs to the older sibling. Wow. Okay, so it sounds like from Laban's perspective, he's talking about Leah, the older daughter, being married off before Rachel, the younger daughter. That's how it's supposed to work. Jacob had no regard for that order, that, that the way things are supposed to work. But really, he's also talking about what Jacob had done in the past. Do you remember what Jacob did to Esau? He stole or lied his way out of uh, Esau's birthright. So Jacob's past had officially caught up to him. And Laban had effectively out-Jacobed Jacob. And still Laban agreed to give Jacob um, Rachel as his second wife as long as Jacob agreed to work under Laban for another seven years. And he was still so hopelessly stuck on Rachel that he agreed. And Jacob took Rachel as his second wife. And here's where the story gets interesting, I think and relates to how we're doing today. Because at this point, the story's spotlight moves away from Jacob and Rachel and on to poor, cross-eyed Leah, who, unlike Rachel, had never felt loved. It's easy to think how infuriating or confusing the morning after that first wedding must have been for Jacob. But can you imagine how humiliating and degrading the whole affair must have been for Leah? her dad had to pass her off as her little sister just to trick a man into wanting her. And I just imagine Leah holding out the tiniest shred of hope that after she gave herself to Jacob sexually, maybe he'd realize that it was really her all along and not Rachel that he wanted. But in the cold light of day, Jacob looked at her and still didn't want her. But God saw Leah, and he saw her much differently than Jacob did. This is verses 31 and 32. Of Genesis 29. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Surely my husband. Surely Jacob will love me now. Leah thought that having a son for Jacob would make her husband love her at last sadly, she was wrong, and she remained unloved. But that didn't keep her from trying to earn Jacob's affections once and for all. In verses 33 and 34, we, we read this. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a second son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a third son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons, so he was named Levi. After bearing two more healthy sons for Jacob, Leah was still heartbroken and still alone. All that time, Leah had been doing exactly what Jacob did. She was trying to fill the void in her life with validation and romantic love or affection, but that left her feeling more worthless and unloved than ever. After getting pregnant for the fourth time, something happened that changed Leah's outlook. And no one knows exactly why her perspective shifted so suddenly. But one day, Leah stopped caring what Jacob thought about her. And this is in verse 35. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time, I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. And then she stopped having children. So, to catch you up, when the first son was born, Leah said, Maybe my husband will love me now. After giving birth a second time, she said, I'm still unloved. After a third son arrived, she said, My husband has to want me now. But after her fourth son was born, she said, This time, I'll praise the Lord. Leah learned her lesson about love living for superficial validation and romantic affection will always leave the human heart unsatisfied. In the end, Leah saw the truth. Love can't be earned with good deeds or coerced by manipulation. She also learned that one man's love pales in comparison to the unconditional love of God. Only God can satisfy our deepest desires. The need that Leah thought she felt for Jacob's love was really a much deeper longing for the true and lasting love of God. And in some ways, we are all like Leah, especially at a time like this, living for lesser forms of love and feeling more alone all the time. All the while, God's love remains steadfast, patient, and kind, waiting to be loved in return. That's just who God is. So I pray that you'll open your heart just let him love you right now. And once your heart is full again, I pray you'll spend the rest of your days loving him too. That's it for today, everybody. I hope you have a great weekend. We are open on Sundays for in-person worship. You can pre-register at our website, thestory.church. We would love to see you in person if you feel safe. Otherwise, join us online, 9 45, and 1105. Love you guys. Take care. Bye-bye.